Listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code Perfy for 15% off today. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Food Chain, presented by Perfy. Today we've got Jason Wright with us, co-founder and CEO of Wild Brands. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Jason, uh, we start every episode with a bio of our guest. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm originally from South Carolina. That would explain this hillbilly accent I have, uh, (laughs) or I've been told. So from South Carolina, kind of a crazy story. Graduated college and, uh, you know, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I got the opportunity to get into modeling through uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. And I jumped on the opportunity and that opportunity took me to New York. And basically that would have been 2000 and call it 2001. And New York is where I discovered my love and my passion for for food and getting into modeling. You know, I started to uh, watch what I ate, you know, started to work out. And so that kind of got me on this path of what I ate, you know, kind of had a direct result of how I felt. And I kind of discovered that for the first time. And that kind of got me really, you know, just into food, into different uh, health food stores there in New York, which then led me to start my own granola company called Feed. And I started that granola company in 2005 uh, with another guy that was modeling. His name was Jason Osborne. And uh, they used to call us the granola guys, J and J. And we would push this product all through, you know, the city. We would push it in independent mom and pop grocery stores, health food stores. We would push it out to all of uh, the agencies and and friends of ours that was in modeling. That kind of took me down the path of entrepreneurship. I stopped modeling in 2006, 2007. And I found myself here with this granola company going to Natural Expo East. And I went there, you know, with not knowing a whole lot, but we came across Whole Foods and Whole Foods Northeast gave us a shot and, you know, came away from that trade show feeling pretty good about being an entrepreneur for the first time. Fast forward, we grew feed to about a $2 million business. Uh, I learned a hell of a lot, made a lot of mistakes. Unfortunately, we had a uh, closed feed in 2010, but I will say I, that was my education. I, I have some people graduate and go to grad school, and my, my grad school was entrepreneurship, launching a company and, uh, and really making all the, all the mistakes you possibly can make. So fast forward, that got me to a point. Uh, I mean, I had the bug at this point, you know, and we closed feed in 2010, and I was just sniffing for the next opportunity. What I told myself was, you know, I will never do a Me Too product. If you go around the country, you got granolas in every region, almost every state. You know, you can do this in your kitchen. So I told myself, well, next time it won't be a Me Too product and you won't be able to do it in your kitchen. So I will say when we started Wild, 
you know, there was days when I said, man, I, I really bit off more than I could chew. Now I have this product that, that, you know, it's never been done before. It's a first of its kind. It required custom built equipment and so forth. So that's my journey and how I got here, you know, to wild and, and to launch wild was through the modeling and then owning the feed and then decided in 2017 that I thought I could change the potato chip category. I love it. That's a hell of a category to change. Quick note, uh, both you and I got our, our starts at Abercrombie. I, in high school, I was dating a girl who loved, she, she, that's all she wore. I'm, I'm a poor kid trying to keep up. Like, damn it, how am I going to go from Ross to Abercrombie? So I started, <laughs> started saving my, uh, my allowance from my mom and started buying more of that. And as I was shopping, people that were shopping there always asked me, hey, do you work here? I'm like, no, but should I? I could probably use some extra money here. So I ended up getting a job there before I went to college. Uh, and that manager got transferred and the new manager wouldn't transfer me easily, but it's all good. I, I don't think I wanted to work there anymore. You did mention <laughs> a, a, a very funny story regarding the documentary prior to us recording. Tell me more about the, uh, hey, let's take some new headshots. Uh, start. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe six months ago, my wife says, hey, there's a documentary out on Abercrombie and uh, you should watch it. I think you could relate. And so long story short, we watched it and I got to tell you, man, to the T, you know, they talk about how they were, they were finding their models. And then Bruce Weber was a famous photographer and, and how he was, you know, getting the models to do all kind of stuff. So my story is, uh, 2002, I, I went down to Miami to shoot with, with Bruce Weber and, um, there was a bunch of us down there and, and long story short, Bruce said, uh, you know, Jay, let's go out and do some headshots. And. So we go on location, do some headshots, and he goes, all right, you can take your clothes off now. No, <laughs> what did he say? And, you know, the deal was, I mean, you had to do kind of as they say, or you were you were out. And, um, of course, I've never been shy, you know, so uh, you can, you know, my college buddies, I don't know, we, we, we <laughs> I'd always do something crazy, pull my pants down in front of people, you know, not, not a huge crowd, no, don't get me wrong, but uh, so it wasn't a big deal for me, but um but yeah, that was my introduction to the modeling industry. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's uncomfortable, but hilarious looking back at it. There was a time where I went into work and I was closing and I didn't get any of the goods just yet. Like I was probably like not one of the tens, you know, I was in great shape in high school and going into college, but I was like, why the hell do they have our pictures up next to the schedule? It all kind of started making sense after you hear, hear more and more about it, especially now these days. But wanted to touch on that real quick because uh, that, that's a hell of a funny story. I want to go into more of like a, just a fun specific question. What, what were some other names that you had for the brand before you landed on Wild? I really didn't have uh, any other names. I wanted a one syllable word. That was the first kind of step. I really wanted a one syllable word. I thought as a brand, it's easy to remember. And, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur yourself, you know how hard it is to break through. You know, people just uh, have so many things going on in their life today. They just don't remember you know, from social media to just everything that's thrown at them. So the first step for me was I wanted a one syllable word. And I thought about this product as being, you know, like magic. You know, it's like it's never been done before. It's like, how do you get chicken breasts into a chip? And so what started coming to me was that's wild. That's wild. But I did not want to spell it W-I-L-D-E or W-I-L-D. 
and because it's taken, you know, people use that word. It's taken in, an, especially the natural industry. So got on the internet, started looking around, came across Oscar Wilde. And, you know, I started reading about his sayings, his poems, his, uh, the wittiness, sarcasm, and I would really liked it. And so I said, I'm going to name it Wild. I'm going to spell it with an E. And little did I know how much trouble uh, it would take, you know, to get the trademark because trademarking a surname is frowned upon, which I didn't know that at the time, you know, and it took us several years to get the trademark. And you had to go through and show proof of concept and show proof that this was a product and this was not, you know, not trying to trademark a surname. So that's how I got to Wild. Like I said, we didn't have any other names picked out. I love it. It's a great story. Um, never would have thought Oscar Wilde was it, but it makes total sense now. And that's why I love asking questions like these on this podcast. Um, for Perfy, I, I tell the story as much as I possibly can. Perfy was named after my mom. She told me last year, as I was pulling her by the pocket when I was two and a half years old, I, I'd grab her by the pocket and say, Ma, you're Perfy. And I, I don't know what I meant by it. All I know is that that day and that night, I went home and I trademarked, or it's still in the process of it, but that was the name of the company before that. Perfy was going to be more of a, um, the villain in my story or Perfy story was going to be the Haritos of the world. So I was going to do Mexican style sodas, specifically like Aguas Frescas types. And I ended up that day pivoting and switching it to Perfy and going with a more mainstream approach to the soda. That's great, man. You know, we all need stories. You need to be able to relate and tie it back. And I think, you know, you choosing that Perfy and you were calling your mom Perfy. I mean, that's uh we really need stories behind products these days. There's so many products out there, and um, I think it's a phenomenal name. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's important, you know, like the the storytelling these days. It used to be something we we talked about a lot when I started my career at Quest Nutrition. Storytelling was like, I shit, I don't even know what it was. I knew, I've read books before, but I was like, what are they talking about when they're talking about storytelling? And I learned from some of the best and brightest there. And now as time has progressed, it's more of a buzzword along with community. And Quest was like one of the first brands on Facebook building a brand through that, through like organic social back in the day, like 2009, 2010. And I think that it's super important these days, especially when you're you know, in the trenches on social, you probably have a social manager or a community manager that's going through the comments, responding and trying to put your brand in the light of being an actual human. And I think it's important for brands these days to feel as though there's like really like a soul behind it and those that are doing it right are doing very well. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. You know, Nikki Robbins is, uh, is our, uh, influencer director. I think we hooked up because of her. I mm -hmm. think she's the one that kind of connected the dots, but she's, uh, doing a phenomenal job, um, working with influencers. Uh, and she's right now looking for social media, uh, manager, uh, for our community. Because, you know, there's so many moving parts. And um, in today's world, when folks respond to you on social, they expect, you know, to get an answer pretty fast. You know, we're still small. We're, you know, trying to bring that team and build that team right now because it's so important. Yeah, Nikki's great. We work together at Quest. Uh, love her and I appreciate her connecting us for this show. Yeah, me too. And, you know, you bring up Quest and I got to tell you, it's a big inspiration we did a deep dive back uh, 12 months ago. We worked with a company out of New York. The name of the company is called Black Bamboo. You can look them up. They've done a lot of, lot of I think they did Spindrift. And basically, they take uh, they do a deep dive on the brand, positioning, hierarchy. And what we discovered that folks eating wild 
uh, or I should say Quest Chips was eating wild chips. And we have very limited distribution. And, you know, up until that point, I had never really looked at Quest as a peer. But I started looking at Quest as a peer. And I got to tell you, we started talking, you know, if, if you look where they're at in the store, they are more in a pharmacy or healthy living. We were in grocery. And I was concerned about us leaving natural and going into mainstream or conventional and grocery because you're surrounded by corn and potato. And we'd already had a little bit of a, a setback with a retailer in um, Colorado. And that was just because we got lost. We got lost on shelf and we were not doing a good job at that point communicating what we were. But um, when we discovered this Quest deal, we started approaching uh, some of the buyers in, in healthy living and sports nutrition. And uh, man, they loved it. They saw it as that, you know, kind of RX bars coming down to the protein bar category. Because as you see our package today, and that kind of came through the deep dive with Black Bamboo, you know, we list out, you know, crafted from real ingredients, chicken breast, egg white, bone broth. And so you'll see, you know, within the next six months, you're going to see a lot of wild setting beside Quest chips, whether you look at Target in the sports nutrition. There may be some at Walmart, Harris Teeter. And, you know, I think uh, up until that deep dive, I was really worried about how do we transition to mass and to grocery. And luckily, we did the deep dive and we discovered we discovered Quest Chip as a peer. And I'm excited to see how we do it, you know, setting beside them. I think you're going to do great. Um, never heard of Black Bamboo, but for anybody listening and you've got the uh, resources to use. And that sounds fantastic. And one thing I do want to comment on, and one of my, my favorite parts or topics that I had for this episode was, I love how when you first launched your position as wild chicken chips, if, if I'm correct, me if I'm wrong, but you have since evolved into wild protein chips made with real chicken. Is that accurate? Correct. You're spot on. So, you know, when I launched wild, we, um, you know, if we really tell the whole story of Wild, I launched it originally as a meat-based protein bar. So I was uh, living in in Austin, Texas. I had just signed up for the rock and roll marathon. During training, I started eating a ton of jerky. And this light bulb went off and, you know, I thought, well, what if I could do like a protein bar, you know, where it would have jerky, but it would have nuts and fruit. And so I kind of went down this path of working on this protein bar. And about, I'd say, three months prior to us launching, I discovered Epic. And Epic was, uh, at the time, just in a couple gyms and small health food stores in Austin. And later, they went on the Whole Foods prior to us even you know, launching. But we launched the bar. The bar did not do well. Uh, the category was very small. Epic had really kind of captured the audience. And other people tried. Crave tried. There was a couple other brands that tried it and none of us did well. And so I knew that I was basically staring a, a close down. You know, if you think about it, you've raised money for this bar and you have to tell these folks that it's not working. And we don't think reformulating the bar because the category is so small is actually going to solve it. So I had to pivot and I've always loved potato chips. Yeah, I was in the, you know really in a bad spot, headspace wise, a uh, little bit depressed, 
and uh, was just eating a lot of comfort food. And that was a lot of potato chips for me during lunch. And one day I was eating a bag of chips and it just kind of went off. And I said, you know, one, I got to stop eating all, all these carbs because my whole family, I grew up, my whole family's diabetic. I'm pretty sure I'm pre-diabetic. And anyway, one day I just said, this is enough. And then the light bulb went off and I, and I thought, what if I could replace the potato with chicken breast? And so that started happening pretty fast. We transitioned everything. We pivoted. We focused all of our energy on this chip. I started working with a, a close buddy of mine, uh, Derek Spores, uh, that owns a brand called Spork and Ladle in Boulder. He's a food scientist. And we started working together. We started working with Colorado State University. The funny story is we actually tuck and tested. We thought we were going to do this at a pork rind facility. I'll just tell you, I made the biggest mess you probably ever see at a pork rind facility, and they ran me out of town. But <laughs> that led us, we, we had to make our own custom equipment. And I'll kind of tie the story back is, you know, we kind of were under the gun. We had about, I'd went Whole Foods, I'd showed Whole Foods, they liked the concept. And so we had about three months to kind of get packaging. We were coming up, you know, on a reset. And so we just went out with chicken chips. We said, that's what it is. It's a chip made of chicken. We were not promoting or marketing chicken breast or egg white or bone broth at the time. And when we first got on shelf and we were doing demos, people didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They, you know, with my accent, thought I was saying chicken shit instead of chicken chip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so you could just see people's head go into a bad spot when you tried to explain. And so that led us down the path of doing, you know, tons of just soul searching. What do we call this? And I've had so many sleepless nights on how to talk about this product. We had a good idea going into the Black Bamboo project. I had already come up with this kind of, we got to do these check boxes. You know, we were toying around with, uh, you know, a lot of inspiration came from RX Bar. I was toying around with that concept. And, um, but I didn't have the confidence to launch it and going through the black bamboo process, we validated that. Plus they gave me other things to look at that we started calling it protein chips and talking about a chip that checks all the boxes. That's amazing. You could see that directly on the packaging where it's literally checking off the box under crafted from real ingredients, checkbox, chicken breast, checkbox, egg whites, checkbox, chicken bone broth. I love the new execution and I've seen it as you've evolved. And Max is a mutual connection of ours, uh, Max Bowman. And I saw him talk about that uh, through his Basemakers channel. And it seems like, you know, it's working out. It's, it's always good to see someone pivot and, and, and that work out for them. So congrats on that. Thank you. You know, we really started to see a huge difference this year. We've now started to see, you know, the product really perform well. Club has been a big success. Our Whole Foods numbers has continued to grow. And, you know, I will tell you up until kind of coming out of the Black Bamboo Project, having that checklist, you know, there was still some question marks and we were battling with that. I, I hope in my next adventure, I hope that we don't battle for so long how to talk about the product because I think it was really, you know, it was a long road. It was... um would have been very helpful to get it, you know, get that process right early on. Yeah, I hear you. I had similar experiences uh, when I launched Perfy. I launched it as an adaptogenic and nootropic soda. I was like, you know, clarity is better than than creativity. We're just going with it. We're gonna just like you. It's a chicken chip for me. I was, it's adaptogenic and nootropic soda. 
I learned within 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. One, nobody knows what the hell adaptogens and nootropics are. So I've made that pivot and we're, we're making new product, new labels on Monday. And we're, we're calling it Perfy 2.0. So we're under kind of the same thing. Um, but I didn't go through a, a group like Black Bamboo. So for anybody listening, and, and even you, Jason, a friend of mine that I grew up with, his name's Warren Jolly. He's the CEO of Ad Quadrant. He texted me after launch and he's like, hey, man, take a look at your, your statement of identity. You probably want to change that because you don't know what it is. And he suggested a book called um, Forging an Ironclad Brand by Lindsay Peterson. Okay. And I read and listened to that book. It was so impactful on how to think about talking about your brand. It was so tactical. And she's such a legend. Like she started great at Clorox, but she ended up like really making an impact at Clorox. Now she does her own consultancy. So much of an impact on me that I just randomly emailed her from the website. I was like, hey, I don't know if you're ever going to read this, but I just wanted you to know that you helped me rethink how I talk about my product. That coupled with people that sent the product too, like getting their reviews, how were they referring to it? And a couple other things like being at BevNet and, and, and getting clarity. Those three things allowed me to figure out, holy smokes, I just made a very, very confusing product or at least a label. And I've been able to adjust that going into 2.0. And that's unlocked retailers. They're like, oh, we get it now. It's much easier to understand. So I'm right there with you. I feel that. Yeah, absolutely, man. We, um, uh, Philippe, so he's my VP of ops. He and I, we have a great relationship. We, we're good friends outside of work. And basically, he was always challenging me. And he really liked the RX bar concept. And he was always challenging me. And so we were, you know, toying around with, a chicken breast, you know, one chicken breast or a quarter of a chicken breast and two egg whites. And, and I was like, you know, I just don't think that's the route we should go. Like, does it matter about the quantity? Why, why don't we just do the checklist? And we had toyed around with so many, you know, positionings and way to talk about it and had already, you know, uh, you know, failed at chicken chips. We had so many people now around the table, this change really required a lot of validation for a lot of people. And so um, that's why we ended up going with Black Bamboo. We were referred to them and they're phenomenal. And uh, we just had so many folks around the table at that point that we had to show a little proof before we were going to make the change. I agree with you. I think, um, you know, I learned so much through that process that if I did one today, I would walk through a lot of things I learned then, you know, especially if I hadn't, you know, didn't have a but I was just starting out, you know, and it was just me, you know, I think I'd walk through different stages to get to the point of how do you talk about it? Yeah, it's different for everybody. For me, I'm just one person show. I was able to just quickly pivot. But when you, when you get multiple stakeholders, I, I totally get it. You got to take a different route and make sure that there's some some evidence before you make a wholesale change like that. Funny topic. Uh, you mentioned how you were inspired by RX Bar. For Perfy, I was most inspired by Spindrift. I loved what they did. In 2016, I had like zero dollars. So when I was drinking them, I was like, well, what if one day I had, you know, enough to make my own kind of version of this, but make it with allulose and all these other things. So after years of that, I was finally able to make that come to life. But one other thing is your inspiration in RX Bar. I don't tell too many people this because it's actually kind of um, not probably not the greatest story, but I actually accepted a job there. I was going to leave Quest in 2016, accepted a job. I was literally packed. They were relocating me to Chicago. It was less than a year before they got acquired by Kellogg's. And something at the last second told me I needed to stick around. And I don't know what it was. It was intuition. It was my gut feeling. And I ended up reneging on my, my offer letter. Probably wasn't the best thing for my career. 
but it ultimately be, became true that, you know, my mom started experiencing some things where a lot of things happened in my personal story where just five years of just constant bad things happening and the ultimate like, gut instinct led me in the right direction. As much as I regret not going there and learning and heading up their influencer team, I had to stay back and um, ultimately left Quest either way. But that was something I don't really tell too many people about that. Hey, I think you made the right choice. Going to Chicago, oh, I can't imagine those winners. You staying there with your mom, you know, you probably got inspired starting your own brand. You know, things happen for a reason. We may not, we may not always uh, understand it at the time, but uh, there's a bigger picture on your journey. And I think you did the right thing. I do too. It's awkward conversation if I were to ever you know, talk to those hiring managers or the the founder at the uh, at either one of the three or one of the two or three. But either way, you know, if I ever told them like, it was the right decision, I'm not ashamed of it. You know, I was, I was glad I was able to stay back. Shit started really hitting the fan, you know, literally less than five, six months after I made that decision. And it is what it is. You know, I'm proud of the decision I made. And uh, honestly, I probably lost my job anyway when Kellogg's bought him. Now, so did your mom, is your mom, did she go through some some medical? I'm she, sorry to ask. Or... So she experienced some sort of medical issue a month after I interviewed at RX. I interviewed at RX in October of 2016, November 2016. She fell and hit her head at lunch with one of my brothers. And later on, she went to the doctor in May of the, the following year, so May 2017. She's like, hey, is this something still going on here? So she got misdiagnosed. She got diagnosed with something that turned out to be a misdiagnosis. Freaked out the whole family. The brother that was with her at lunch, my brother Ralph, he then it ended up impacting him. So we think that my mom is sick. And then my brother uh, is stressing out a lot. He's one of five older brothers I have. And then he ultimately has a stroke five months after that. And he's still paralyzed to this day um, in 24-7 care. He's learning how to walk again, but he's not quite the same. So that was like the start of a domino effect where ultimately led to me why I wanted to start Perfect. Running my agency really wasn't doing it for me anymore. It wasn't fulfilling me anymore. I was you know, diving deeper, deeper into work and we won some awards and we're doing great for brands. But for me, I, it just wasn't doing it. Every award we got didn't matter. What mattered to me was finding my new why and that new why became perfect. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I mean, I apologize for your brother going through that and your mom and the misdiagnosed, but the story that you have or that you tell now in creating the brand, that's touching, very touching. Thanks. You know, my mom ultimately has, I don't even say the words, but like that's why I always dance around. I just don't like saying the words at all ever. Uh, but she's, she has something, but you know, she's working through it. She's old school as hell and she's a fighter and strong. And I see her every Saturday still. That was one of those Saturdays that she told me I called her perfect back in the day. So, you know, it all happens for a reason and how we make uh, an impact and how we leave a legacy is, I think, for me, all that really matters. Well, I like it, man. Perfect is a great brand. I want to try some. I got to get my hands on this. I'm happy to send you some. We're producing the new labels on Monday. I'll get you some right after that. And and our fourth flavor is Dr. Perfy. It's uh, my version of Dr. Pepper. I can't talk this thing up enough. Everyone always drinks their own Kool-Aid, but I'm telling you, I've tried every uh, wannabe Dr. Pepper on the planet, I think. And I'm so pumped on the execution of this one. I can't wait for everyone to try. That's awesome. Where are you sold right now? So we just got picked up. We land at a distributor in new jersey on monday and then we're rolling out into shop right there the saker um, group of shop right stores on the east coast we got picked up by foxtrot and all 20 some doors across chicago land dc and texas 
that opens for us. We're distributed by Pod Foods. We're not in UNFI or Kehi yet, but we're working on that. That opens up a lot more key retailers in Pod Foods, like Plum Market wants us in Michigan. And then it opens up a ton of opportunity in Texas. Now we can reach out to Central Market with the 2.0 labels. And then we just got picked up by, I actually announced it a little too early. The buyer reached out to me. I was like, dude, you got to slow your roll. We know this is big, <laughs> we, we know this is big for you, but you got to take that shit down. So we're rolling out into a big East Coast um, regional. Uh, that's one of the hardest ones I hear that's to get into. And we'll be there the middle of September with an f- official launch, late September, early October. I'm not going to piss off that buyer again, but early October, I'll announce that one again. And then we've got a lot of opportunity. We're sending 2.0 samples to Kehi for Sprouts. Just met with Gelson's on Wednesday. The Fresh Market uh, is really interested in, in Perfy Wegmans as well. So hopefully these things all shake out because it'll be a pretty good first year for a beverage brand. Vosi, I know where you're going in the uh, Northeast. You described that retailer. That's a great retailer. You described it very to the point. And uh, I think you guys do really well in there. I hope so, man. I hope so. It's um, Is that going through UNFI? No, no. So that's why I've got to keep it low key. Yeah, it's it's a different path to market. And yeah, I can't even go further. He's gonna, I'm afraid that he's listening to this and he's going <laughs> to DM me again. <laughs> I'm not going to say, man. No, that's uh, perfectly uh, fine and, and, and completely understandable. Um, Sprouts would be a great one. That'd be a great one for you. That would be a dream one. Sprouts would be a, a, I've got two like really like dream accounts that mean a lot to me. Sprouts is just, we have one where I grew up. Um, it was like a, a big thing because I grew up in San Pedro, California and it's not, it's like a melting pot, you know, all sorts of different um, folks there. But it's also known for being a little bit uh, urban of a, of a city or it's a small city in LA County. And when Sprouts came, I was like, oh shit, this is great. I've never even heard of this. And so since like high school, I've been the biggest fan of that of Sprouts. I think it make a lot of sense. And then the second one's a nutrition store here in SoCal called Lindbergh Nutrition. It's one like the top nutrition store in South Bay, like I think 50 years straight, something crazy like that. And those are like my two dreams. That's great, man. That's great. I think they're going to come true. So tell me, we didn't talk about Whole Foods. Because I know that Magic Spoon's not in there, and I think it's only due to one ingredient, right? It's a, yeah. uh, they're not, but I have heard, you can tell the story, you know more than I do. I feel like they will approve the ingredient, the sweetener. Yeah, so they currently don't allow allulose, and it's a, a very questionable decision. Um, I think it's strictly, like, the easy answer is that there's just not enough education out on it. There's certain countries that think that it's a terrible ingredient. I, I think it's a superfood. I think if you think about the impact that allulose can make, it feels like a sugar. It tastes like a sugar. It has the mouth. When I say it feels like sugar, like the mouth feel is like a sugar. And it's just such an important ingredient. We were, I think Quest was with the Hero Bars and Cereal Bars was one of the first to dabble with it from Tate and Lyle. And so Whole Foods doesn't allow it, but they allow canola oil. And when you look at like, yeah, it's apples and oranges, but from a quality to quality standpoint, it's such a quality sweetener and, and it can have such an impact on the world. When you were talking about pre-diabetes earlier, I found out I was pre-diabetic in November and reversed it in five weeks by checking myself into a camp at Carlsbad, California. Just knocked it out. It was intense, but it, it worked. So back back to Whole Foods though, I think they're going to pull that decision and I think they're going to have some, almost like, um, like incubators have their... Um, I forget what they're called, but they're going to have like their first group of brands that they bring in as a big marketing announcement. And I have the biggest feeling that Perfy won't be one of those brands because we're not as established as others yet. But uh, from what I've heard through the grapevine, they will be making that decision sooner than later. And it's a, a gamble that I made last year with R&D. They said, hey, are you sure you want allulose? It, it takes Whole Foods off the table. 
And I made like an unofficial bet with them. I was like, I bet you by the end of 2023, this won't even be a discussion. And I need that time to build Perfy to a place where once we roll out in the Whole Foods, it's easy money. And that was the bet that I made. So yeah, they don't allow it right now, um, but I think they will. Olipop just put Alilos in cream soda and their Dr. Goodwin and more brands are, are adopting it. So eventually, you know, eventually they have to, I think. I won't call any names, but I got some good friends that are down in Austin, work at Whole Foods. And we had this conversation after Expo West because we were talking about Magic Spoon. Like, I, I really like what they've done. I like their approach of basically launching online D to C, building that. And then, you know, like I was telling this one Whole Foods guy, I said, you know, when I see them in a store the first time, I'm going to buy it because, you know, I know about them. I'm dying to try it. I'm busy. I'm not somebody that goes online and order stuff. Like, I just don't shop like that. I go to Whole Foods almost every day. I get coffee, you know, I grab snacks. I'm kind of a creature of habit, but I want to try Magic Spoon. And we had the conversation about the sweetener, and he felt that very soon it was going to get passed and they were going to bring it in, you know, bring in products with allulose in it. So I think you made the right decision because it's all about the product at the end of the day. It's all about the taste. It is function. It is health. But people are not going to continue to drink or eat something it doesn't taste good and so that is the one of the biggest deals with uh, all the products that are healthier to the alternative is folks still won't really get behind it if you don't taste well so i think you made the right decision and i think you know you will uh reap the benefits in the long term yeah, thank you. It's it's a it was a big decision, you know. I, I knew that yeah, it'd be great to be in Whole Foods right now, especially just to prove myself out and so pack. But either way, I had some learnings I had to make uh, as a brand, and and this 2.0 label is a fantastic execution. I can't wait to be on shelf with it. But cohort was the word I was looking for earlier. I think there's going to be a cohort of brands that shepherd in this new ingredient, and um, I'm down with it. You know, Perfume may not be the first in the door at Whole Foods with Allulose, but some people are going to break down that barrier for us, and I'm 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 grateful for it. I think your time's coming, so I'm a big supporter. I, I, like I said, I, I'm ready to try the product. Yeah, I got some coming. I got some coming your way. I, I I can't wait for that Whole Foods announcement. It's coming. I know it. I've got one question before we wrap up, and I always like asking this question with a lot of the other CPG founders. And I'll let you choose which one, or you can take both. But what was your biggest challenge? We might have already covered it. And what was your biggest breakthrough? Yeah, so I think the biggest challenge uh, with Wild was uh, really, you know, getting the product to eat like a potato chip. So I'd always, like early on, I was basically making cardboard. I remember when Philippe first met me, he was my first employee. Philippe, uh, you know, he has a food science background as well. And he worked with Crave Jerky to actually formulate a lot of their flavors. And anyway, and so he was with Hershey at the time and Hershey was um, had purchased Craved and they had it in a manufacturing facility in Virginia. And long story is this manufacturing facility was in a small town. There was one hotel. And so everyone would stay at this one hotel. And I met Philippe and he really liked the concept. And, um, you know, he said, hey, listen, uh, you know, Hershey's flown me to Mexico. They flown me to Canada. Like we've been looking for this type of product. And he says, uh, you know, I think yours is the best I've seen so far. And um, 
we decided to go to dinner. I, I was a little skeptical at first. I was like, is this guy trying to steal my idea? But um, <laughs> anyway, we went to dinner that night, got a little French wine in him. And he finally tells me that my problem is you got a lot of potential, but the product eats like shit. And he said, it eats like cardboard, Jay. You're not going to be able to sell this to a lot of people. And um, I wasn't drinking my own Kool-Aid. I knew that that wasn't where I wanted it to be. And that was in 2018. And I just turned a corner in 2021 when we built the facility here in Kentucky. And now I control everything. You know, we, we were vertically integrated, bring in fresh chicken breast on one side of the plant. And we make chips on the other side of the plant. But the biggest challenge for me was I didn't know if I'd ever get it to eat like a potato chip. And I'd already, you know, started to see people not like the texture. And I knew where I wanted to go with it, but there was no chicken chip expert. There was no one to call to say, hey, you know, this is what I'm trying to achieve. This is what I'm doing. I mean, it was all foreign. If you ask the normal, we'll call them meatheads in the meat industry that formulate products, they would look at what I'm doing today and and not knowing what I was trying to accomplish. Let's say they didn't know they had never had the end product. They would look at the process and they would say, you are batshit crazy, JW. This is stupid. This is overkill. You're ruining the product. You're doing this. And I want them to think that. But I just had to really throw a lot of stuff against the wall, try a lot of different things. You know, I talk about when people come to visit down here. They say, Jay, what's the secret sauce? And I said, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours of R&D. Because on the fry side, yes, there's a patent on that fryer. That's to form the shape. But it doesn't matter about that shape if I don't get the first stage right. And, you know, somebody could come along and probably get their, you know, figure out a way around the patent. They could even do a flat chip. But. If the product's not right going in as you slice it, it's going to be a flat, terrible product. And so that was the biggest challenge and something that, you know, we had to do a ton of R&D on. And there was times when I had no revenue, but yet I was still burning capital. I was still having to raise capital pre-revenue or no revenue or going through changes. And um, that was tough. The big breakthrough was twofolds. The day that I figured out a process that made it eat like chips, like potato chips. I knew then I was like, wow, we're on to something. And then the breakthrough of understanding how to talk about it. And that came with, you know, the uh, crafted from real ingredient, chicken breast, egg white, bone broth. I think once we started, you know, chicken chips or just chicken breast, I still think I know from myself, if I don't know the product and you said, hey, this is crafted from, you know, pork loin. I'd be like, what the hell is that? It, it's going to eat like jerky. Like, well, I couldn't get my head around it. But when we started talking about the egg white and the bone broth, I think you started to kind of feel like there was a recipe to it. And uh, I think that was a big breakthrough. So I think it's all about the quality at the end of the day. You know, I tell the marketing, I tell the sales. You know, you can sell anything one time. Can you sell it again? The product's got to sell itself. The marketing, the marketing can be phenomenal. I don't care how good it is. If the product don't deliver, the guy's not, you know, the folks are not going to buy it again. And that's just how it works. The marketing can propel it to a new level. It can take it to places that 
you wouldn't go if you didn't have the marketing. And a great sales guy can go out and sales, you know, teams can go out and put it in different channels. If the product sells and the product's great, they can shepherd all that. But at the end of the day, it starts with the product. And so that was my big challenge and my big breakthrough. I love it. Very, very well said and, and put. I'm just excited that you, you literally, going back to your, your story about going from modeling to the granola and then say, telling yourself, I'm not going to be a Me Too brand. I don't think you could get any more innovative with a chip than than to use chicken. And I think you you upheld your promise to yourself. Yeah, thank you, Vasu. We um, definitely, I will tell you, there was nights when I said, man, I uh, maybe I should have rethought this. And, you know, I'll tell you about a great product. And I, I know we short on time, but when you think about a great product or, you know, kind of like, we'll, we'll call it one degree from separation. You know, Siete did pretty damn good. You know, they come out with this one degree from separation, I call it. So they come out with a grain-free tortilla chip which is very innovative within the tortilla chip. So it already has a home. It already has a category. And, you know, the category is on fire. And then they bring that one degrees of uniqueness, special, which is brilliant. And I thought many nights when here I am trying to create a category, never been done before. You know, you're going to have to go build your own equipment. I thought, man, have I bet off more than I could chew? And there was many nights when I thought, I've definitely bit off more than I could chew. But, you know, looking now, very thankful for all the challenges, know how hard it is. So I know how hard it'll be for somebody to copy it. And, you know, we're we're finally getting to have fun with the brand and do some cool things. I love how you're embracing that challenge now. I think challenges are some people look at them as like, oh, this is going to be tough or damn, this is hard like in the in that present state. But for me, when people think about like for beverage, for me. I know that barrier to entry is high. I know how freaking hard it was. And although Perpy might not be that difficult to rep or might be pretty easy to replicate, to be honest, that barrier to entry in beverage is you got to have an appetite for that. So with you, you have your moat built, you know, chicken chips, they're not easy. You put in the time. For me, it's just that barrier to entry, like to beverage. It's expensive. It's not many people have the appetite for it. And I kind of see challenges in that same light. A hundred percent. And, you know, there's some guys that I, I'd love to introduce you to one being Bill Moses. You know, he started Kavita. He's on my board and he now has uh flying embers, uh, hard kombucha. Nice. So they're in the alcohol space, but he's very knowledgeable and um, they got their own facility up in Ojai. So I think that'd be a good contact for you. I love that. I love meeting people. Yeah, definitely. Let's make that happen. I'll, I'll reach out to you offline, but Jason, man, this was a hell of a time. I really appreciate you joining the podcast. I'm going to link everything you got in the show notes, but just for the fun of it, where can everybody find you? Yeah, man. So um, right now, uh, Whole Foods, obviously, uh, was our first uh, retailer. And to this day, it's still uh, our biggest uh, retailer. Uh, Sprouts is a phenomenal uh, natural food store that you could find us in. We just rolled out to Kroger West Division. So you're Fred Meyer, your uh, King Super uh, fries. You can get us at, you know, website so we do uh, all of our flavors uh on our own website and then uh for folks who shop at club we have uh san diego uh division right now for costco we're selling our um our buffalo which has become one of our top sellers and other divisions uh have jumped on board so in december 
Well, October will start in Q4. You'll start to see it in other divisions. And then the Northeast is going to take our pink salt. So basically, whether it's next month or January, between now and January, you'll see it in and out of your Costco retailers uh, anywhere you're at in the country. And yeah, man, we um continuing to grow. We're very fortunate right now. And um, now we're starting to think about the second line and what's it going to look like and timing on the second line. You know, I like to call myself a fruit picker, you know, and I tell people this, and it's kind of my message to a lot of folks is I'm a fruit picker. And every day I pick the fruit and some days I pick good fruit and some days I pick bad fruit, but I never stop picking the fruit. So we're just going to keep picking the fruit here. And we'll see where Wild gets to. I love it, man. Great approach. Jason, thanks for your time, man. Also, thanks for your time too, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, and let's connect. And anything I can do, you know I'm here to help. Amazing. Take care.